Hey, this is Jeremy Reisner, pastor of C2 Church. Thanks so much for joining us on the C2 Church podcast today. I hope it inspires and builds your faith and helps you see that God is up to something in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt Copeland, and it is my privilege to serve here as a staff member at C2 Church. I love being able to have my job be a place of service. That is my heart. That's what I live for. That's what I long for. So I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to share this morning, to share a little bit that God has put on my heart, and uh, just excited to jump in. So I grew up, my family was very involved in church. We went to church every Sunday. We were involved. It went VBS. My mom led crafts. My dad was a deacon. And so we were just there all the time. And it wasn't out of an obligation. It wasn't, oh, well, we have to go to church, so we do. My parents really did a, a pretty good job of at home explaining why church is important. Why do we go to church? It's not something we do just because I get drugged there and I get drugged back home. But I wanted to be at church. I wanted to be involved with what God was doing in the local body of believers. Still with that, my family wasn't perfect. My sophomore year of high school, my parents got a really nasty divorce. It was ugly. It kind of sucked. Um, but, and through that, it changed part of who I was. So... Instead of my family being what I clung to and what I defined myself by, I started clinging to and defining myself through church and through my friend group. And so all through high school, I would really belong and spend more time with my friends and with church than I would with my own physical blood family. And that continued through college. When I came down here to Columbia, I wanted to make it a point to get involved in a solid Bible-believing group of people. And I found an awesome ministry, found an awesome group to belong to and to belong with. But even through that, I didn't learn how to truly be a real part of community. In college, I had a relationship that ended poorly. And in that transition, I realized that I hadn't really given myself to real community. I had friends. I had people that I talked to. But I hadn't really gotten involved and let people close to my heart. I hadn't let people into my life in a way that would really change it and mold me and make me into the person you see before you today. And so through that learning process, through that transition, I learned that I needed that community. I needed that strong biblical community to help me to have fun, to be able to help me through the difficult times, the difficult seasons of life. I needed that community to support me and to lift me up. And that community has made me into the person you see sharing before you today. My path hasn't been perfect, and I by no means have perfected community and what that means, but it's something that I continually strive for, and it's a passion that I really have deep down inside. So when I say the word community, lots of people have different different ideas and different things of what this might mean. Maybe it's a a hot-button topic for for the culture that we live in. Community, community. Everybody needs people around them. I really believe that if it's something that we're making a goal in our life, we need to have a definition. If you're shooting for something, you need to know, am I headed in the right direction or am I not? Am I making the target or am I not? So it's good to define what our goals are. So I'm of the millennial generation, like Jeremy said, the next generation. I was talking to Darcy. I don't know if that means that I am the next generation. I guess that means who you're talking to and what what level they're at. Um, But whenever I have a question, my first response is usually to Google it. Google has become a verb in my life. It's an action. It's an active thing. And so I Google, what is the definition of community? When I Googled community, what it said was that community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, 
interests, and goals. So that's what the Google definition of community is. Now, if it's something that we as Christians are trying to form our life around in a biblical goal that we have in our life, it's good to have a biblical definition of what we're going for. So when I started looking up the biblical definition of community, I came to this Greek word koinonia, which is a word that is a little more in-depth and a little more intense. It's a biblical term of fellowship. And what that refers to, it's sharing that which we have in common around the person and life of Jesus Christ in such a way that it makes us more like him. Now, we all need community, whether it's through our blood family, people surrounding us, our church members, our church members, or I would even argue all of the above, we need community in our lives. From the beginning, God created us to be creatures to live life with one another. When God created the first man, Adam, he realized it's not good that man should be alone. Now, some of you might, mean, might take that to mean don't leave men or boys unattended, which probably isn't wrong. But I think, I think what God meant more in depth and more real is that we're not supposed to do life alone. All through the Old Testament, as we follow the story of Israel, of Israel, the God's chosen people, we see that God put people together in a nation, in a people group. He brought them together. He didn't separate them apart. As we read through the New Testament, where we see the early church being established, we see that people live their lives very personally together in a group. Community isn't self-centered isolation, and it's not superficial social contacts. This isn't where we pretend to be someone else, and it isn't where we just come to church on Sunday mornings. Real community is genuine, it's heartfelt, and it takes work. Whether it's a good community in our family, our church, or people surrounding us, community is crucial. We will never be all that God, has us, all that God wants us to be without being a part of a godly community. Now, you might say, Matt, that's a really big statement. How are you going to back that up? Well, I hope we can unpack that this morning. Now, I know that each of us are different, and there are different categories or labels that culture likes to put on us and we can identify with. Anyone that knows me very well at all knows that I'm very much a people person. So most people would label that as an extrovert, which would be correct. But first, I want to identify what is the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. By definition, an introvert is someone that is recharged, that gets their energy by being alone, by having their their space or their time. By definition, an extrovert is someone that is recharged, that gets their energy by being around people. Now, neither one of these things are wrong. They're They're how God created us. That's how we're supposed to function. But notice that in neither one of these circumstances do they neglect the priority of community. Either one of these labels or ways that God has built us doesn't mean, oh, I'm, I'm a people person and so I have to be in community, or I'm not a people person so I, I can neglect community and run away from it. Neither one of those are true. God div- doesn't give us the excuse to say, oh, well, I'm just going to live life by my definition and by my characteristics, and that'll just be the way it is. It's good to recognize which one of these categories we fall into so we don't overdo ourselves and back ourselves into a corner. But neither of these give us an excuse to not be within a community. Jesus was very straightforward when he said, Two commands I give you, love God, and the second is like it, love one another. We don't get a rain check or a pass just because our personality doesn't like those commands that Jesus gave us. 
There's also a misconception that to be good at community, we have to lie or we have to pretend to be someone or something that we're not. And that couldn't be farther from the truth either. God wants the best version of each one of us. And he created us the way we are for a reason that just has to manifest itself inside a community. Now, for community to happen and to take place, we have to realize the importance of it. If you read, if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, Jesus boiled down, concentrated, took all of the commands and laws in the Old Testament. And if we read the story of Israel, we see they couldn't do it on their own. Even with all of the specific commandments that were given to the Israelite nation, it was discovered we can't do it on our own. That's why Jesus came and died and gave his life for us. And Jesus concentrated all this down to give us two commandments. Love me and love one another. That's one of the core beliefs here at C2 is to love God and love people. So as I was studying this message, I heard a quote in a podcast I was listening to. Now, if you're looking for something to encourage you throughout the week, I encourage you to find a good, reputable podcast. Listen to what they have to say. It can be really encouraging. But this podcast said, Jesus didn't say they'll know who you are by the way you love me. He said they'll know who you are by the way you love one another. Now, that must mean that God takes pretty seriously how we love each other. Don't get me wrong. Loving God is important. Loving God works itself out and is exampled when we love one another. Jesus had other people. At, yeah, Jesus was loving other people all the time, and he, he made that example in his personal life. If we look back to how the rabbis worked and how they lived and operated in Jesus' time, we see that rabbis and students were with each other all the time. They ate together. They slept in the same rooms. They visited together. They went to different countries. They fought together. They did everything together. So when we see that, we see that Jesus, even being God in the flesh, had a group of people surrounding him. Jesus gave us that example and lived it out, showing that even though he was the ruler of the universe, came in human form, he himself needed people. He himself allowed disciples into his personal inner circle, into his life. He needed people. We can't think that we're any better than Jesus was, that we don't need one another in order to get through this life. Community is a non-negotiable when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. He didn't give options of not loving others. He set it up there. He set it in the same importance and the same level of loving God. Jesus threw down the gauntlet. He said, those that lose their lives for me will find it, but those who keep their lives will lose it. When we lay down our lives to serve one another, showing the love of Jesus through community, we grow closer to the person of Jesus. The word says, greater love has no, lo- has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This brings on a new level when we realize that Jesus called us to love everyone, not just the people we like, not just the people that we get along with, but Jesus called us to live in true service and true selfless care and compassion for one another as we draw closer to who Jesus is. So we see the importance of community, what the Bible says about it. Now, how do we make it a priority? How do we live it out in our lives? Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, let us, it'll be on the screen behind me if you want to read it. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, 
for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We see the fullness of God when we spend time in community with others. If we believe the word and we see that community is important to be the person that God desires us to be, we have to make it a priority and do it. Now, we're all busy. I know that there are endless things that we can spend our time on. There's work, there's personal development, there's hobbies, there's family time, there's chores, there's all kinds of things that we can fill our time with, but few things will return the reward that comes from being a contributing member of a godly community. Whenever we make community priority, we have to invest time and resources into that community. Take our family, for example. We have to really invest. There's a difference in going to a family function, being with your family, and investing in family. Family should be the perfect picture of community. That's how God set it up. God set it up for a man and wife to come together to have a family, to be the perfect example this world could see of what community is. Now, if you're a parent, set up a day or weekend just to get to know one another, just to talk to one another about who is Jesus, who do, who do, what is Jesus doing in your life, what can Jesus do in your life. If you don't have kids, spend time with your parents and your family just to share life stories, encourage one another, build one another up. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't have Christian family, Matt. This isn't helpful. I can't go talk to them about Jesus because they don't know Jesus. Whenever we get together and share with one another in community, when we're sharing about what's going on in our hearts, the person of Jesus will just come up. If we're truly in love with God and have truly given him our heart and our soul, then even if we're talking to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, when we get to talking and sharing about personal parts of our lives, Jesus just comes up in conversation. If you're talking about how, how you met your spouse or how you came into this house that you own or how you got the job that you have, those stories should lead to God provided this for me. God cares for me. God loves me. So even if you have family that doesn't know Jesus, sharing personal time with them will bring up the person of Jesus if you give that time to him. Maybe you're already doing that. Maybe you are sharing time with your family, with your kids, with your parents, and you guys do have awesome Jesus-centered, Jesus-involved conversations. Can I challenge you? Share that with one another. Share that with other people that you're maybe not blood-related to. Maybe your family does get together once a week, twice a week to have family time at the table, and you talk about who Jesus is, who you want Jesus to be in your life, how you're giving your life to Jesus. Invite other people to do that. There are people that need that example. There are people in your work. There are people in this church. There are people, your neighbors, that need that example of a strong biblical family. We're all busy, but we're all in charge of our own time. We get to decide where our time goes and where it is spent. Another quote I got from a small group that I was a part of really challenged me. It said, busyness is the next best thing to effectiveness. That kind of hurt. Because I saw and I realized that in our American culture, we often allow ourselves to be defined by how busy we are, how many things we have going on, how many things we're doing. And so whenever we see that busyness isn't the same thing as being effective, it challenged me. It made me really look and see we have to choose where our time is spent and to spend it on things that are worthwhile, that will reap reward, that will be, that will be fruitful in the end. Biblical community offers us a place to be accountable, 
to bounce ideas and questions off one another as we grow closer to God. As we're in proximity to one another, tensions can get high. I'm sure that we all have a story of a family reunion that ended abruptly or maybe became uh, kind of uncomfortable for people involved. And for anyone that has been involved in a small group for any length of time, you can probably share the same stories. The reality is that we're living, when we're living close to one another, whenever we're sharing parts of ourselves with one another, it's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to be difficult. But the thing is, you can't be accountable without being close. No one can help you grow if you don't let them enter into your lives. That's what I realized whenever that relationship ended in college. I hadn't let anyone close to me, which meant that I didn't have any really hard conversations, but it also meant I didn't have any hard conversations. Who knows that the way that we grow, the way that we move closer to the person God is calling us to be is by having difficult conversations and letting people into our lives and letting them call out some of the stuff and encourage the stuff that we might not see in ourselves. That only happens when we let people in to who, excuse me, to who we are. We don't grow by doing only what we want to do or what comes easy to us. We don't grow by just staying at the status quo and saying, this is where I'm comfortable, I've had enough, I'm good. We only grow when we press into it and we see the joys and we see the challenges that come when being a part of a godly community. Now, being a godly community is more than just a social club. It's more than just coming together and talking about cars or planes or automobiles or trains, whatever. It's more than just coming together and talking about the things that we like or the things that we don't like. Biblical community has to be centered around the person of Jesus and who he is in our lives. A a strong family unit centers on being Jesus to one another. A strong church community or life group should flow from what we were taught in our families to be loving and grace-filled to one another. Now, some of us sitting in this room might not have had a strong Christian family experience or environment growing up. Let, we might be scared about we might be scared that we haven't been given what we need to be that biblical community to one another and to our friends. Let me encourage you that you aren't defined by what has went wrong or what has went well in your past. We can take everything that's happened. I can take the nasty pain of my parents' divorce. I can take the good times of learning what real community looks like in college, and I can lay them at the foot of the cross of Jesus and say, "Take this." and do something with it. And I can promise you that he will take whatever we give him, and he will use it for our good and for his glory, because he is a good and gracious father. Now, word of caution, being community doesn't neglect the need for personal time with Jesus. Now, I know that a struggle that I have myself is I have a very hard time saying no, specifically when it comes to anything that involves people. talked earlier about how I am leaning towards being an extrovert. That is, that is where my natural tendency lies. And so whenever anybody asks, you want to go see a movie, you want to hang out, my immediate response is, yes, I love to, I want to, let's do it. I had to learn in college that I couldn't sacrifice my personal time with Jesus just to do things with other people. I had to make sure that I was still spending time with Jesus, still spending time talking to him and letting him talk to me so that I wasn't just letting time with other people take that place. See, part of living in biblical community is coming together to talk about how God is working in our lives. If we're not letting God work in our lives outside of a Sunday morning or a family mealtime, we can't talk about that when we come together. 
And so we have to make sure that we're spending personal one-on-one time with Jesus and that that time is encouraged and built up when we're in community with one another. Nothing can take the personal time that we have with Jesus. Now, when we're in community, it's easy to compare ourselves to one another. It's easy to say, well, I'm not growing as fast as George is, or I'm not getting up the ladder as fast as Lauren is. But we have to see that growth is measured one step at a time, not by looking around and comparing ourselves to one another. As we grow, it's not about being perfect. It's about living for God with all that we are. That is all he asks. That is all that he wants is for us to come forward and say, God, I give you all that I am. Take it and use me. Now, as we're in community and as we're making this a priority and putting it into practice, we have to remember that community is not just for us. We have to keep it open. Quote from Bill Heibel, who's a pastor at Willow Creek Church, said, God knows nothing of a people who stretch out their arms toward him, yet don't in turn stretch them out to those that he loves so much, so much that his son Jesus stretched out his arms to make it possible for them to be touched. Jesus adopted us into his family. He paid the price at a very, very high cost so that we can belong with him and belong to him. If we're following Jesus' example of inviting others, we need to do so not just when it's convenient for us, not just when we want to, not just when we like to talk to other people, but whenever other people need it. I had someone challenge me in college, are we willing to be inconvenienced by, God, by God's plans when they aren't our own? Are we willing to be inconvenienced when we're walking through Aldi, going to get our food, checking everything out? Oh, I saw something cool in the weird Aldi aisle that has all the random grills and dishes and whatever else. Are we willing to be inconvenienced whenever the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder and says, see that single person over there, see that family over there, see that couple over there? Go chat with them real quick. But God, I need to get cereal and get home. That's the only thing I'm here for. I need to get, I like cereal. That's where it came from. I need to get cereal and get home. Are we willing to be inconvenienced to take 15 minutes to talk to that person, to maybe invite them to our life group, to maybe invite them into church, to invite them, here's even a step further, to come to our house, to sit down at our family table and share time with us and our family? Jesus gave his all so that we can be here in this place, but he didn't do it just for those that are in this church. John 13, 34, and 35 says, again, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The church should be the best reflection of community. That's big, that's hard, that's difficult, but the church has been set up by Christ to be the best example of community to our world and to everyone around us. How we love one another should invite people in. Jesus didn't come just so people in this church can have a good time with him for forever. He came so that everyone outside of this church can have a great time with him for forever. We get to share that awesome and great news with other people. It's not meant to just keep here by ourselves. We become more like Jesus together not when we're just sitting by ourselves. Now, whenever we're putting community into practice and practicing this, this open door and inviting people in, it's, we have to honor one another. That becomes difficult when we have people that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't share all the same thoughts and ways of life, and maybe they don't know all the Christian sayings or Christian words that we do. We, the Christians, the capital C Church, must lead the way in how we appreciate and value one another, how we honor people. 
Often it's hard to like someone that looks different than us or talks different than us. When we realize that that person is dearly loved by God and that Jesus Christ came and gave his life for them just because they're a human being, it makes it a little more easy and becomes a little more tangible to love that person, or at least to invite them in. We don't have to, like I said earlier, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all figured out. But it makes it easier to take that first step when we realize Jesus is really one that paid the cost for them to come in. All I have to do is invite them to be friendly. When we practice humility, not having such a high view of ourselves, we realize that we can learn something from everyone. That no matter what place anyone is in life, is in in life, we're not better than them. We're not better than people just because we're here or because we have something figured out. Listening goes a long way. I'm thankful that, again, through my college experience, that I've learned that every single person has a story and every single person has something that we can learn from. Now, when we're in community, we have to be willing to give up our personal preferences and our personal opinions to be able to love one another. We have to be able to give that up for the sake of peace for the group. Now, there's a difference in core beliefs and opinions. I want to make this very clear. Believing that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, died on the cross to pay our sins, that's not an opinion that we just give up just because. That's a core belief to who we are and, and a part of the community that we're a part of. But there are different opinions, like how we want the chairs set up on Sunday morning, or what color we like, or even what Christian music we listen to. Those are opinions that we can set aside whenever we're inviting people to live with us and to live in community. The church is supposed to be different people from different walks of life in different countries, different nations, coming together and sharing. And when that happens, there are going to be some different opinions. But that creates conversation, not just throwing a wall up and ignoring those other people. That doesn't mean that one opinion is right and one opinion is wrong. It simply means that there are different opinions and you can talk about them. God created each one of us unique, not as robots that just wander around and do the exact same thing. I don't know about you guys, I don't want a million mats walking around because it would be a very scary and very interesting world. Somebody, some people that know me are agreeing with that. Community means that not everyone will act like you, talk like you, walk like you, and do things like you do. That's hard. God created the church to need all of those different people to come together. The church, the big C church, God's chosen group, is supposed to be a reflection of God's body. Just like Paul said in several of his letters in the New Testament, there are supposed to be people coming together, all serving different parts, different pieces, and we have to realize that we can't do it all on our own. We can't even do it all with the people we have sitting in this group. I love this church, and I will give all that I can to this church, but even the people we have here, we need more. We need more people to be more members of God's body so that we can continue to do more and greater things for God's kingdom. It takes all of us to make God's will happen. The scripture says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Have you ever hit metal against metal? I used to work in a shop in, in welding and fabrication and do all that kind of things. Ironing sharp, iron sharpening iron isn't a simple process. It isn't easy. It creates heat. It creates sparks. And it is difficult. But the thing is, the results are worth it and better than what you have now. I'm a part of an awesome small group here at C2. And this group has been around for a while. There are some of my friends sitting on the front row. I'll try not to point them out, but it is what it is. NT. This group has been around for a while. 
and it's changed and morphed as people come into the group and as people leave the group. We've had people leave and move to different jobs in different cities. We'd have people leave for other various reasons. It's, this group has carried people through dark places that they wouldn't have been able to make it through on their own. It's been a catalyst for personal change in people's lives. And sometimes it's even made for some tense and difficult conversations. We've had to wrestle through some arguments and hard times. But it's made for real community. We've been able to be there for one another. We've been able to lift one another up. We've been able to encourage one another. We've been able to come together and share what is God doing in my life? What's God showing me through this verse? What's God showing me through this reference? And if I can be really honest and real with everyone for a moment, I don't want what we have in this group to be the only example of that group. I know there are other groups doing amazing things in this church. I want what God is doing through grad group, through this awesome group of people, to be what happens for every single person that will think about calling C2 home. Because that's what community looks like, and that's why we need it, to encourage one another, to build one another up, to call each other out on our crap, to say, you don't know all that you think you do. And then to be able to help one another when we're going through really hard seasons. That's what we need, and that's what community is here for. We might not get along 100% of the time, but we do care for each other all of the time. There's never a time that when one of us makes a phone call to another that we're going to refuse it and not answer it for a week. We might be upset. We might have to have words when we pick up the phone, but we're going to answer and we're going to help one another out, whatever it may be. When we actively live in community with one another, our eyes are open to the fact that there are other ways to do something right. We might not have it all figured out. I'll even go a step further. You don't have it all figured out. It's, it's not going to happen because there's so many different perspectives, so many different ways of life that God has created in his group of people in the church that we need one another in order to step and move forward. The body of Christ is not supposed to be a bunch of independent contractors. We're supposed to be one unit that move together and move for one another as one. All of this takes effort. Being a part of a biblical community and being a contributing part of a community that means so much takes work and it might hurt sometimes, but we don't grow by staying comfortable. We don't grow just by sitting where we are and saying, I'm good, have fun. If we want to grow, if we want to become the person that God has made us to be, we have to be a part of a strong biblical community. In community, we learn how to have healthy conversations instead of rude arguments. We learn how to respect other people. and We learn how to live in proximity with others' joys and with their difficulties. And every step of the way, we're learning to become more like Jesus. Now, what are some of the next steps? What are some of the next things that we can do if we've seen community is talked about in the Bible. It's a priority we should have. We make it a part of our lives and we invite others to be a part of it. What are some next steps that we can do to make that real? Make sure you're spending focused, quality time with your family and join other families that are doing the same thing. It might be a little out of your comfort zone to invite someone into your home, into your dinner table to say, come be a part of what we're doing here. But I encourage you that it'll be worth it. It'll be 100% worth it. Be a part of a life group. We have several groups that are meeting throughout the summer. Be looking forward this week to a brochure that will have everyone, their contact info, pictures of the people, to follow up with them and be able to connect and say, I want to be a part of your life group. I'll even make a personal invitation. If you want to become 
and come a part of our life group, come chat with me. Come talk with me. I'd love to see people get involved in sharing life one-on-one together. And maybe there's a stirring in your heart right now that you're sitting there saying, I know the life groups we have, and, and I don't think there's a group that fits me. And let me make a personal request. We don't have enough groups. We don't have enough groups to meet the needs for every single person in this room. We need you. Maybe God's stirring in your heart right now and saying, what would it look like for me to host a small group, to lead a life group, to be able to invite people to my home, or to be able to invite people to a park? What would it look like for me to lead a group? We need you. I can't do it on my own. LT can't do it on his own. Jeremy can't do it on his own. We need people in this church body, in this family, to step up and say, I'm willing to help people out. I'm willing just to be the connection point. Here in the fall, we're going to be launching more groups than we've ever had in the past. We're really making it a priority and putting effort and resources into providing a group for every single person that wants to call C2 Church home. I need your help. I can't do it on my own. I can't be in every group. I can't be in every place. But I do want to see that happen. So if you're sitting there saying or feeling and you're getting a thought in the back of your head, maybe I could lead a group. Maybe I could host a group. Maybe the word lead is too much. But maybe I can host a group. I can invite people. That's, that's a thing. I can do that. We can partner you together and work together. This isn't meant to be overwhelming or burdening for any one single person. We need you. So after this service, whether you want to catch me or send me an email or stop by and talk to me during the week, come and chat with me if you're sitting there thinking, maybe I could lead a group. Maybe I could help lead a group. Maybe I need a co-leader. I can't do it on my own. But maybe I could help lead a group. Come chat with me. I really want to see that see this church made up of small groups, made up of people that personally care about one another and are able to meet one another's needs. Let's go ahead and stand. The first step to being a contributing part of a godly community is to be a part of that godly community. And maybe that next step for you is to become a part of that godly community. Maybe you're sitting there thinking and saying, Matt, I don't, I don't know what it means to be a part of this community you talk of. It sounds really cool. It sounds hard. But it sounds worth it. But I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. I want to give a chance this morning for anyone that wants, anyone that's feeling the stirring in their heart by the Holy Spirit, anyone that wants to step into that family of Christ to make that decision. We believe that is the single most important decision that any person can ever make is to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to count to three. And anyone that would like to become a part of that, become a part of Jesus' family to raise their hand. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand just because I want to embarrass you or call you out or shout at you or for you. I'm asking you to raise your hand because I want to recognize with you what God is doing in your heart. So as I count to three, please raise your hand. One, God created you to be with him. Two, Jesus paid the price so that we can spend eternity with God. Three, is there anyone here that would like to make that personal decision and personal commitment? Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? I don't want to skip through it. I don't want to skip past it. And this isn't just so we can meet our quota. This isn't just so that we can give enough time for the message. It's because we believe this is the most important decision that any one of us can make. Is there anybody else? Awesome. I'm so excited. So let's join together as a body of Christ and pray with those that have made that decision this morning. We pray out loud to remind ourselves 
and to remind the devil who we serve, Jesus. Repeat out loud after me. Jesus, I'm tired of doing things my own way. I realize that I can't do it on my own, that you paid the price for my life. Give me strength to start doing things your way. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me whole. Help me to trust you and live my life for you. Now I'll pray for everyone here. Jesus, thank you for giving us one another so that we don't have to do this crazy life on our own. I ask that you would stir in the depths of our soul and show us the importance and the need for being a contributing part of a godly community. Jesus, help us to be patient and gracious with one another as we each grow closer to the person you long for us to be. Bless us this week as we go out and love people as we love you. Amen. 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 Can we give a round of applause for all those who raised their hand this morning? We're so excited for what God is doing in your life. If that's you, if you raised your hand this morning, we have a great opportunity to jump into Growth Track next week and, and learn how you can grow in God's family, learn to follow Jesus, discover God's purpose for your life, and, and then ultimately find a ministry that fits you so you can become part of this community. I'm excited, Matt, what you're doing uh, as you're, you're taking the handoff from Pastor Karis and, and as she's kind of transitioned through some things in her life. We're excited about what God is doing in and through you, and I'm excited about what's coming this fall, and I think God is speaking to some of you specifically uh, through Matt this morning about leading and hosting a small group. And I encourage you this summer, find one or two people that, that uh, have that same groove with you, whatever that life situation, whatever that hobby, whatever that, if there's a book of the Bible you want to study, find those people and start talking to them now and be ready to, to launch with us uh, next fall. We bless you. Have a great week. We can't wait to see you back here next week for our new series, Gains. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I want to ask you to do three things. First, subscribe and share a podcast with others. Second, if God is up to something in your life, we'd love to hear from you at mystory@c2church.com. And finally, if you've benefited from this ministry, help us reach others by investing today at c2church.com/give.